How would you like to be part of a conversation that changed someone's life or even changed your own life? Welcome to the Be Fun, Be Kind podcast, where we have amazing discussions hosted by someone new each week. Join us at BeFunBeKind.com to be part of our live events. Now, here's your host for this week's episode. Well, Liz, obviously, we've already been talking for a a little bit here, and and, and I want to definitely get into some of the stuff that we've already uh, touched on. But um, for those of us listening and just joining, um, today's topic is called Meeting My Challenges Head On and How You Can Too. Um, And I think it's a really interesting subject. Um, And and Liz, you you, you obviously bring a a lot of experience. Um, I've I've been listening a little bit to uh, some of your podcasts and some of the stuff that you've been, been doing. Um, but I think you bring a lot of cool experience in terms of, um, you know, as a runner and, and I guess this sort of, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of like metaphorical idea of, of running as it pertains to things in like your personal life. Right. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So it's, it's a cool sort of double entendre, I guess your, your podcast and I, and I like it. And, um, as somebody who is not, has not felt that addiction, uh, to running that you always hear people like the runners high, you know, um, I'm just wondering, like, how did that, how did that start? And, you know, what, what's that like to those of us that are, you know, clearly inferior and can't, uh, connect to the runner's high? Like what, what is that? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think for me, it really started, I think growing up, I just played a ton of sports and I was really lucky to kind of be put through and try all sorts of different sports. And I ended up sticking with soccer, which, obviously, as you know, has quite a lot of running. And but even then, I kind of hated running. But I think as I got into like college, and just my undergrad just got really stressful really fast. And so kind of whether it was a test or whether it was um, something going on in my life in terms of like friendships or relationships, I think um, I always had this like particular run that I would do and you would run out and see the Seattle skyline. And it was always the thing that kind of really let me release stress. And I think from there, I kind of just started building up over time. Like it's been, I think, six years now. And I, even then it was just kind of starting really small with really short two, three mile runs. So they didn't really mean anything to me and I wasn't training for anything in particular. It was just something that I did for fun. And so I think, yeah, just over time, it's just really built up. And suddenly now I like to run incredibly long distances for fun. Yeah. So I, I so suppose. What's the long distance? What, what is, what do we call them long distance? Um, longest to date is um, my marathon in August, which I did um, in Bend, Oregon. And that was, that was a funny story because I actually signed up for that marathon two days prior. Um, and, and I also didn't know that it was a trail marathon. And for anyone that doesn't know a trail marathon is like, you might as well just take any 26 mile long hiking trail in the mountains and you run that essentially, (laughs) um, lots of tripping, falling, all of the, all the photos that I took after the marathon, I kind of had to get from like my knees up because um all like the rest of my shins and my shoes like were like a dirt color like my shoes were a completely different color than when I started so wow oh that's crazy that you didn't even know that that's what it I mean because I would imagine that'd be a whole like if had you known that you probably would have done some trails I, I would I would assume prior right Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the people that I met um, told me about how you're supposed to have like proper training shoes, like 
there are specific trail shoes that you're supposed to buy. And um, obviously training on trails, I was training on roads and it was just, I think that's the funny thing about um, my podcast is like, while I am like a runner, I think I'm like a total amateur runner. And I think my marathon experience just goes to show that I was, (laughs) I wasn't prepared, but I actually stuck it through and I didn't give up. Oh yeah. You finished, you know, that's a lot better than, than most. I mean, I cannot run a marathon. I can tell you that with 100% certainty. Um, I mean, well, maybe I, I could, if I, you know, but at right now at this moment, no chance, zero chance. What about you, Brent? Do you, are you, are you much of a runner? You know, I used to be, but I felt like I kept getting injured. And at some point I was, you know, this is just not going to be for me. (laughs) And so no, not now. Liz, do you think that, um, so getting back to the whole like runner high and that that's like a, a profile of a, of a person, there's the types of people that I've met that are like, they're so addicted, it, you know, very like well-known people like uh, Casey Neistat, the, uh, the, mm-hmm. the YouTuber, like always talks about, you know, he always has these inspirational, um, you know, discussions about running and how it, it, it it's so great. Did you kind of start just to sort of like, hey, I just want to, this is the exercise I've chosen to be in shape. And then it evolved into like, oh, this is much more a mental thing than than a physical thing. Or like, how did that work? I think um, a lot of it had to have stemmed from sports. And especially as I got into like club soccer, we had like a lot of conditioning coaches and um, a lot of focus more on like our running and speed because soccer is like you know, all about how quickly you can get to the ball and score and all that. But um, I think for me, like it definitely started as kind of just a fun thing. And then I found as I was kind of like going through things in my life, especially in college, when I was living in a house of a hundred girls in a sorority, it was like the only way that I could get out and go and really just think and think out loud and not have like, you know, a hundred other voices to distract me. Right. Right. So I guess it's, uh, it's as much what cathartic type of experience as it is. Um, I don't know, like a, a physical one, I guess, just purely to be in shape or, or, or what have you. Yeah, I think definitely it's nice that, um, I think running is something that really keeps you in shape. I think that a lot of people talk about how, um, cardio is good if people are trying to lose weight, but in terms of like, um, really, focusing on weight loss. I know that there's a lot of like stuff in the media about, you know, weight training and strength training and hit workouts and stuff. And I've definitely tried that, but I think for me, running is always something that kind of is continuous. Whereas like with, um, those sorts of workouts, I kind of find that I hit a wall or I'll kind of, I'll go through like a workout program or, you know, a 12 week program or something, and I'll kind of be over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your body, um, you kind of have to outsmart your, your body. Yeah. When exercising, you have to switch it up, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How much of it would you say is physical? If you're putting a percentage on it, how much of it is physical versus mental in your opinion? Um, I think I would, if you'd asked me like a year ago or anything prior to this year, because I feel like this past year is when I really got into distance running and really learning about the different types of running workouts. Like I think for so long, I only thought that running was just you run from point A to point B, but I've learned in the past year about, um, there's different like speed work type of training and there's like, um, workouts. I think there's one called like a fartlek and it's, 
it's kind of where you switch your speed during a run and it depends on whether like you can choose between time or like music and you can create playlists to help you kind of speed up or slow down and so um I think before it was a lot more of a mental thing for me and um just for me to get out and kind of really think through things on my own Mm. Um, yeah yeah that makes sense well you know maybe um this might be a good time to just sort of segue into, you know, if, if you'd like, you can give a sort of a, a you know, a, a rundown of kind of what your podcast is maybe better than I've explained it already. Um, and kind of how you, you got here and, and, uh, and what you're up to. Yeah. Um, so my podcast is called resiliency and running. And as I was telling, um, we were kind of talking about this earlier, it started as a book idea, but I think I just wanted to, turn it into a podcast just because I like to kind of have flexibility in the topics, but it is really about how I've not only become a runner at this point, but also kind of just mentally running from different challenges and hardships that I've faced. And um, what really started as kind of a way for me to kind of share on different topics and different um, tough things that I've encountered and gotten through it's turned into something where, you know, people are interested in it and they're coming on and telling their stories. And I think I've just had a lot of really cool people on the show and um, I'm just kind of seeing where it goes. And um, yeah, I'm not trying to kind of, I think we were talking about this earlier, like you create a podcast and you kind of want to stay in this topic of, um, you know, this is where, this is the theme of my podcast and I can only talk about X, Y, Z. And I think I'm trying to avoid that because I think I want to just let kind of, I want to be creative and I want to, you know, just continue that, um, for as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah. We were all, all three of us were, were talking about that, um, as well. And I, I think it's a super interesting, um, idea, the fact that there are so many people that will start a podcast and then sort of uh, you know, trap themselves in, into that corner where, you know, well, I was starting a podcast about chocolate chip pancakes. It's the only thing that I plan on discuss. I'm going to be the chocolate chip, you know, pancake guy. And, you know, it's, it's like sometimes you wake up and, and that inspiration is just dead. There's nothing there. And, you know, you venture out into other uh, bakes. Or talk about blueberry pancakes. Sure. Yeah. A different <laughs> topping altogether. Right. <laughs> Um, so I, I feel you a hundred percent, you know, like, um, I, I have a, a, another podcast, which I do, um, where I talk to photographers and it's like, you know, at some point I was like, you know what, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of over it just for this moment, you know? And then I, like, I had a, a, this musician on and I thought, yeah, that's another, I want to talk about music for two mm-hmm. and a half hours. And it was, <laughs> and it was great, you know? And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to know, like, do you just go for that one thing or do you just try to organically discuss other things? Are, are you at that point now where you're sort of like, what else can I talk about? Or I think I've kind of, I've realized that I can really um, utilize the podcast in terms of like where I'm at in life. And I think I, I spent a lot of my earlier on episodes talking about, you know, the bigger topics of things that I've gone through in my past And at this point, I've kind of like what I'm planning for in like the next month or so, as I'm making this move to London for this job, um, there are actually quite a lot of people that would be interested to hear about, you know, what's that, what's that experience like to fly internationally during a pandemic? And then the UK has a much stricter um, quarantine um, system that we do. And you literally can't leave your house or wherever you are for 14 days. And 
they tell you to have your groceries delivered. And so I think I'm excited to kind of um, play with that and kind of talk about that. But I think, I think in general, I think I just really like to be sort of a mentor for people. I think people send in really interesting questions, even just about like job hunting or school. And I think I can, I, I just try my best to relate to people and hopefully share whatever insight I can. And are you connecting to these people like through social media, through your podcast? Is it, are you doing like a service besides that or what, what explain that? Yeah. Um, it's mostly been through social media. Um, and I always advertise that at the end of my episodes and kind of just say, you know, I do have like a podcast Instagram, but I also have, you know, here's my personal Instagram or Twitter, you know, you can shoot me a message. I'm kind of open to it and I'm not going to, you know, turn you down. And I've had, it's so random, like people, even from like London and they talk about, you know, I heard you talk about how you were in school there. And can you tell me about what that experience was like to look for jobs post-grad as an American, like super specific, but it's just so weird that there would be people kind of in my same situation and they wouldn't have found me if I, if they hadn't found my podcast. Yeah. That's interesting. I I mean, I hear you sort of referring to social media and using it as an outreach of, of helping people and sort of being that, that level uh, to, to serve people in that way, where I think a lot of people think of social media in, in different terms than that, you know? And so that's interesting to hear you say that. I think a lot of people think of social media as more sort of inward facing, like a way to, to serve them, like th- their self or a way to promote their self and, and less of the way that you just described. So that's, that is a really, it's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's too bad that um, the majority of people sort of, yeah, took on social media and before too long, it sort of just became this like tool, narcissistic, you know, tool. Um, so yeah, it's refreshing to know that. And, and, and at the same time, like, you know, by you helping out other people, it, it essentially does help your own platform. You know what I mean? Because essentially, and you're doing it for the right reasons. And that's really cool. Definitely. I think I've seen social media kind of in a lot of different um, perspectives, like in my undergrad where we were in our sorority and like every recruitment season, you have to wear the same outfits and you have to post photos and use the correct hashtags. And it was kind of just like a given that you had to do this and you quite literally had to buy clothes. And if you had the wrong shade of blue, you had to go and return it and get something, you know, that was similar or more similar. And then when I kind of really got into like my healthcare work in terms of like school and work um, in my like last job and in my current job, I handle the social media accounts and I'll kind of post on behalf of them, go to events and kind of, you know, help advertise them. And so I think in that sense, I've seen social media in that perspective and being used as like a professional realm. And I think just with LinkedIn too, there's so many people that really utilize that, especially now during the pandemic that, you know, people are kind of out of jobs or they're really looking for jobs. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Especially with thing, what things are going on at this moment, which it's just, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, sitting here in my house sort of ready for this like hibernation, you know, it's, it's not, nothing has like officially um, I think there's been some um, like bars and restaurants updates in, in the Philadelphia um, like metropolitan area. But besides that, not a whole lot, but I'm kind of like, I know schools are now starting to discuss things and yeah, it seems like any day now, um, at least where I'm at, I don't know what, what's going on out, out there. 
um, or, or kind of in your neck of the woods, Brent, but it, it does seem like, I don't know, I'm, I'm prepared to do more podcasting, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, we actually just went into another four week lockdown in Washington. And so everything went back to being shut except for delivery. And um, yeah, I think people are, I think the governor was just seeing the cases start to go up again and said, we have to shut everything down again, which is funny because everyone in London's actually in like their second lockdown as well. So I'm kind of, I feel like I'm in the same boat and kind of already preparing for what that might be like when I go over. Yeah. 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 It's going to be important. How important, especially like during this times and, and stuff like this, I mean, you, you've described other things as well. How important do you think it is if it's not running to have something else that is sort of your, your mental recharge, sort of your mental challenging processor type thing, I guess. What, what's your perspective on that? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how my perspective or how my um, podcast came to be. I think, I don't think if it had been for quarantine and kind of just being stuck inside that I would have really been able to sit down and creatively think about how else I wanted to express myself. And I think I'm, I think I'm always really grateful to just in the sense that like, for the most part, outdoor running is still a thing and you can still do it, you know, as long as you're being smart about it. And especially out here in the Pacific Northwest, you've got so many trails that you can go and get lost on that it's, it's nice that, you know, I still have that because I definitely feel like I would have gone a little bit crazy. And I, I did a whole episode about like this whole idea of toxic productivity. Cause I feel like I really suffered with that, like really early on into quarantine when I was still job hunting and, you know, not having a job and not being in school about feeling like, you know, how am I supposed to use my time? And I'm not being useful enough with my time and I'm not being productive and I'm a failure and all this stuff. Mm. So. so yeah, toxic productivity. I don't think I've heard that, that, uh, that phrase before. So can you, what, what is that exactly? Yeah. It's, I think it's just this idea that people are just need to be in this kind of grinding mentality of just go, go, go. And, you know, I think especially people that are working from home have been finding it a lot harder to really shut off your computer at 5 PM and not continue and not work past like your nine to five hours. And I think it can be applicable to everyone just in the sense that like people can't really catch a break or they might feel like guilty taking a break. And I think I kind of, I definitely felt that um, in terms of even just like my sleep schedule and, you know, I can't, I won't let myself sleep in past a certain time because then I'll be lazy and I'm sleeping in and I'm not being productive enough with my day. And so I think a lot of people got really caught up in this and um, I even still have to make sure that I'm not like, you know, my, I mean, my work hours are kind of weird with the time difference, but um, I try to be pretty smart with my time. That's, that's cool. I mean, there, you know, it's like, that is sort of an Instagram or a social media trend is just like, I'm the guy who wakes up earlier than everybody else, you know, and, and, and it's like, it's a common thing actually on this show, um, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs on and, and it's like one of my uh, sort of tongue in cheek questions is always like, do I ha- really have to wake up at 430 if I, if I need to be successful? Like, isn't there any other way? And it is, it is interesting how that you can get sucked into that idea because to, what you're talking about is really just comparing yourself to some standard that you're supposed to meet. Right. And if you're yeah. not just hitting that hundred miles per hour, you, you feel shitty about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have you, 
in talking to the people that you have, have sort of reached out to you and that you connect with, have you heard them say like other things besides running that is sort of that covers that area for them? Have you, have you, or is it all running? I mean, it's a running sort of a running podcast, but I was just curious if you've, if you've heard other people say, Oh, I can't run. I, I guess I'm thinking of myself here. I can't really, I'm not, I may not be the biggest runner, but have you, have you heard other people say, well, this is what has helped me or just any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, I feel like I've really noticed even without having conversations, just when you, when I'm like looking at friends online or just um, through social media, I feel like a lot of people have um, really started to, you know, reach out and kind of find their creative aspects within themselves. And I feel like I've seen people that used to be kind of, they used to shut themselves in a box so much. And um, I was kind of the same. I would just, you know, go to work and then you go home and go to sleep. And then you go to work and go home and go to sleep. And that's all you have time for. But I feel like I've been noticing so many friends that I would never have expected to really come out of their shell um, are. And I think it's really cool because I feel like it just has so much to do with the fact that we're all stuck at home and you've got nothing better to do, really. Yeah, I, I feel that. I mean, it's such a, in a weird way, I have made more relationships since the beginning of this in a quicker period of time than, than ever. Um, and there is a sense of camaraderie. Um, it's too bad that it's not, you know, nationwide. Um, we don't need to get in all that, but you, you understand where I'm, where I'm going. Um, but I think for a lot of people, there's like a, a real camaraderie um, sensation of like, Hey, this sucks. Yeah, I know. What the hell have you been doing? And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's like Seinfeldian, you know what I mean? It's kind of funny. Um, yeah. You're just coming up with these creative ways to bide your time. And, and I do think a lot of people are using this time to be creative and maybe get back to some stuff that they did, you know, years, years ago or, or, or whatever. Yeah, definitely. What do you see lasting beyond this just for you and, and sort of the culture that you've seen? Hopefully this all gets figured out soon, but what do you see in what you've discovered through this period in the last year and the connections you've made, what do you think will continue forward when things are normal again? I think people have definitely gotten a different sense of just a realizing that you can do a lot of stuff from, um, you know, your home and you don't necessarily need to be in an office to do things. Um, I think that people also or at least for, I can speak on um, behalf of myself, just that you kind of have more of an appreciation for um, not only kind of like, you know, where you are in life and um, that sort of a thing. But I think, I feel like I've really just had the chance to slow down this year and really, um, you know, check in with myself. And I feel like for the past, you know, I think in 2019, I was just kind of go, go, go. And I was in a grad program and I was living abroad and, there was one point where I was traveling somewhere new every month. And I, I feel like I wasn't really ever like, you know, stopping to take it in and actually really appreciate it for what it is. And I feel like um, I've really been able to kind of almost like learn more about myself in this period and um, really, you know, set boundaries and friendships that needed to be set and, um, you know, stop letting people walk all over you and, really learn how to stick up for yourself and just stuff that I think 
I'm a lot better and stronger for kind of going forward. That's cool. Yeah. There, there is something about having time to yourself, I think that will allow you to, you know, learn about yourself. And, and I think, I think sometimes it's, it's scary because like we definitely, um, everybody is so distracted by everything all the time. And so when you kind of can't be, you know, it's like when the, when the power goes out, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's so not a big deal, right? Because usually the power goes out from a storm and it's like a day. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like, it really stresses a lot of people out when something like that happens, because it's like, well, if my phone dies in four hours, what the hell am I, am I going to do? You know? So it, I think it's hard work. It's hard work to just be by yourself and let your thoughts kind of marinate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I was really freaked out about the whole idea of going into a lockdown and back, like back in March. Um, because I think I always, i I know that I'm an extroverted person and I just really like to be out and about whenever I was in London, um, during my master's program, I was always, you know, out and being social and going out on the weekends and going to see friends. And, um, I think I just never really got, um, the sense that I wanted to slow down. And so I think when I, you know, when you're forced into it, I was kind of freaked out about it, but I feel like now I can say that I'm definitely grateful for it, but I definitely think that there are definitely, um, tough, tough things about having to be by yourself and, I know that not everyone has, you know, the most positive um, story coming out of quarantine. Right. Right. Yeah. Sorry, Brent, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, would you, would you consider yourself to be introverted or more extroverted through this process? I mean, is this podcasting and everything, it, which, which one is this a signal of is, is it a signal of introversion or is it a signal of aftroversion for you? I think for me, it was almost like a way for me to be, um, just use my extroverted part of myself more. Um, I was definitely more introverted when I was younger, but ever since I went to school, I just became a lot more extroverted. And I think it was kind of my way of, you know, I, I'm so used to talking to so many people during the day at work or, you know, just commuting. And so maybe this way, if I just talking to a microphone (laughs) almost like sitting in a room talking to yourself but yeah um yeah I I just find that I even found that like um a lot of my friends and I this year like we've started to almost just like record videos and send them to each other so it's like you're talking to one another like we do set aside time for FaceTime but it's almost like a daily thing where we have to like send a video of ourselves talking and then they kind of send something back and it's kind of like, okay, like this kind of feels like I'm talking to someone. <laughs> yeah. No, that's interesting. I mean, so I, I, I think I heard you say, so introversion may be like your native, your, your native state. And then be, because you, you realize extra sort of obviously being social is important. This is your outlet for the extroverted side of you. I yeah, guess. But yeah, I mean, that's interesting in hearing you talk about, uh, sort of it, it seems almost like a, an old school sort of way of communicating of, of calling calling people and you know you know that whole thing and, and not just messaging and, and facebooking and instagramming and um tick tick talking <laughs> I, I don't i don't do i don't do a lot of tick talking so i don't even know if that's the right wordage for it or not but uh, yeah i i went through a period of being like a little too addicted to it and i I literally had to, I, it started with like, um, setting a timer 
for myself I'm on my phone like for like a week you can only watch like x amount of hours and then I finally was just like I can't do this but um I was actually going to say like you know when you talk about like you know really going back to some of these older ways of communicating and not just relying on social media I actually it reminded me of like friends in London that had actually sent me a card um just to say congratulations on the job on the marathon but it was such a like I think for me especially being someone like um just I don't know I, I don't I don't like to call myself a millennial but um I think just being kind of in this younger age cohort like the only cards that I ever get in the mail are from family so it was just such a different um experience for me and maybe it it could just be an English thing but um yeah I think it was just interesting that um I'm just finding that I want to call people more and I want to have conversations and I don't just want to send you a message on Instagram or Twitter handwritten note it it feels so much more authentic um even if it's not that good, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Even if it's not a great letter, there's just something about, I don't know, just the the fact that you actually, you took the time to do it that just makes it so much more impactful. I think even even like um, like sales orgs are, are, are having their salespeople like send um, handwritten notes now. They, mm-hmm. you know, it's become a little bit more of a thing because it's like, how do you get the attention of people when you're just bombarded with, um, you know, with email and, and, and all the other stuff. So yeah. I, I, I feel you. Yeah. My, uh, my wife always insists that we handwrite all of our no- thank you notes for like all Christmas and, you know, like the wedding. Oh my God. It's just like, <laughs> I've never written so many freaking <laughs> handwritten notes, but you know what? It felt good afterwards. Felt like I, we did the right thing, you know? Yeah. Do you think that is scaling out? Like, do you think people are, are moving to that and, and doing less, less social media overall. I mean, is this, is this a, a, a trajectory that you think will change sort of the way that we move forward with that? Or you think it's sort of just a, a quick phase that people will quickly get over and, and move back to what they were doing? I think, um, I think for the time being, at least a lot of people, or at least I've noticed a lot of friends have taken like, a social media detox um, and like friends that I, you know, usually you're just kind of like going about it and you're just continuing on. And I think it's just being stuck in that routine that you don't really realize like, you know, how much you're actually consuming online or like um, just in general, like people, I don't think realize that you're intaking so many different things day to day that can actually be quite toxic for you. I think something for me that I, um, that was actually quite big that I realized this year was that like, I had this big realization that I had really carried a lot of like my binge drinking tendencies from like college into grad school, kind of like continuing after grad school too. And I kind of realized this, like, you know, after I think it was Easter, I kind of just said, I'm just going to go for like a week and I'm just not going to drink because I don't, I don't want to depend on it. And I was kind of stress drinking because of quarantine and everything that had just started. And it turned into an ongoing like six month thing where I ended up finding this um, Instagram community of like um, sober young women in Seattle, which like, I, I wouldn't even coin myself as being quote unquote sober, but I think, you know, just taking breaks and really like getting back to like, you know, what is actually good for you. And so, you know, not Mm -hmm. taking in so much social media, not 
going out and drinking so much, I think. I think there's just a lot of different things that people are learning within quarantine that are definitely going to change how they're going to go back to normal life if we ever get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a cool point too, because I, I think that I've experienced, I, I, I've never had like a cold Turkey thing, like what you're talking about, but I, I do remember a couple of years ago, it felt like uh, some of my friends and I, who like, you know, if we, if we're getting together a big group of us, we're just, we're just drinking. That's what we're doing. And um I remember thinking like it was starting to become almost like a crutch in terms of our ability to have a relationship together. Like almost like, you know, we, I don't know. It's like after the 500th time, it's like, I don't know, isn't there something else? You know what I mean? And, um, and I remember, you know, almost like sort of bringing it up, like not as a big deal, but, but just like, you know, we, we should just do some other, other shit, you know? And then, and then, you know, after we, spend some more time going on hikes or just, I, I, I don't know, going, just doing other stuff that doesn't like drinking, isn't, you know, the seed for, for everything in that activity. Um, then when we would get together and drink, it was, it was like, it was supposed to be, it was a fun time and not just like a bunch of dudes just drinking with nothing else to do, which is kind of what it evolved to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it seems quite sad when you put it that way, but I definitely, I think I had started to realize like not only how often like that was like the go-to plan with friends is like, all right, you're coming over to mine and like, or everyone's meeting at so-and-so's house and we're all, you know, BYOB and bring your own booze or whatever. And, um, and I think I just also realized how much money that you waste too. Um, I mean, I think like for me now, like I'm definitely just in a place where, um, I, I love, I would love to have a drink to celebrate someone or just kind of have more of like an intention behind it rather than just like, kind of like filling time or just like out of boredom because you're at a friend's house or something. Right. Cinco de Mayo or whatever (laughs) excuse we make as Americans to celebrate a holiday. No one actually really cares about. Yeah. (laughs) Brent, are you a Cinco de Mayo uh, a drinker? Well, I I, I enjoy Cinco de Mayo. Um, I, I'll, I'll say that you know I feel like that's a, a well celebrated. Probably I feel I feel like it's almost celebrated as much, if not more, here than uh, south of the border. I I think you're right, honestly. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, definitely. On that same note, Liz, uh, in this process that you've gone through, and sort of on the note of relationships and that area. Have you noticed this? I've heard you talk about a lot of connections that you've made through this process being different. Do you feel like it stopped there? I mean, like you've had these initial connections and you know, you've had, you had this sort of connection moment or have you, has it actually built into real relationships with through this process that you continued and you've grown uh, and, and you're, you're still growing those. How has that continued forward? Yeah, I think, I think something that I learned really early on in quarantine and kind of like sitting and being alone with myself more is that I, I'm a, an extroverted person, but in the same sense, I'm kind of a people pleaser and I'm, I'm a people pleaser both at work and in a social environment. So I was, what I really started to realize was that a lot of the friendships that I was carrying and continuing to carry weren't actually that beneficial for me and weren't actually super healthy either. And I think 
in, I think overall, I have a much better um, kind of just view in terms of like what I'm looking for, even if it's just a friendship. I think for me, it's just really important that like I, because I spent a long, a lot of time, I think just like in um, college and even in this master's program, just really trying so hard to get people to like me. And, you know, I'm sure that they did. And I had a good amount of friends, but I think there's just, you hit a point where it's like, unless they can meet you halfway, it's really not that worth it. Um, And half the time, you're probably just feeding their ego and you're probably just, um, you know, you're letting them, you know, like themselves more, you know, being someone that's like giving so much to a friendship and kind of, you know, you're not receiving anything back. And that was like, um, a big realization for me is like, even just being able to like have a relationship with yourself and kind of being able to put yourself first and realizing that, you know, you have needs too. And it's not just, you know, feeling like you have to give your all into this friendship or yeah. Yeah. Was it, was it sort of the conditions of COVID that, that made you realize like this wasn't like a bi-directional kind of friendship, like, Hey, I'm the one who always reaches out or something. And why hasn't this person checked in on me in in a few months? Like, was it something like that? Yeah, I think, I think just like in um, the past year of being, whether it was, you know, going to my classes in grad school or going to work, it was just like, you know, I would, I would give to these friendships, but then I would kind of just like restart my routine each day and not really process them or like process things that people said or like events that took place or um yeah I think I just never really stopped to actually think about how these actually might be affecting me and then once I was just you know you're home alone and you're by yourself and then your only way of communicating with people is with your phone and then you realize that half of those people aren't actually still you know they're not really putting in the effort and you kind of realize like I was putting in so much effort to those people for a year. And um, yeah, I think I just started, you start to realize like who your true friends are and who are the people that are going to stick around and they still check in on you and they actually support you and they want to continue to cheer you on like you do for them. Yeah. Your your circle of friends really does get smaller and smaller. It seems like after, um, after college it's and, and, and yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just, I, th- I guess just this work, you know, if you really want to be somebody's friend, it's not that easy. Like you actually do have to try because you know, everyone's going through different milestones and things. And I, I suppose maybe that's just the nature of why um, circles get smaller, you know, because it's, it's just hard. It's hard to keep up with a hundred different friends, you know, and eventually it's like six, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know you probably have more than me. I think I'm probably a little bit older. So you, you probably still have more of the college friends still around. Yeah. Yeah. I think what a lot of, um, a lot of other friends and I like still talk about, um, like me and like a small group of people are like the only people that moved out of Seattle, um, straight after college. Like there's still a good amount of people in Seattle that went to the university of Washington and stayed there, which is great. Um, because they probably that might have been like their first time living in Seattle or like they got a really good job there but I we kind of found that like once we left Seattle a lot of those people just like stop talking to you because it's not it like a as convenient and b you're just not close by um, or c like you just they actually didn't think that your friendship meant that much so in some senses it can be um a bit harsh, but I think there's also just so many other, um, aspects to friendships in terms of just like 
you know, do you hold the same values? Do you have shared goals? Like I still have friends that I know that are still in Seattle and still um, before COVID, like they would still go and like party every weekend. They go to the same bars that we went to in college. And I think when it comes down to that, you kind of just look at it and you're like, do I actually want to be interacting with those same people? Like, yeah. Well, you mentioned a second ago about, um, you know, being like a people pleaser as part of your personality. And I wonder if maybe, um, you know, that kind of had something to do with maybe um, making certain friends or, or having certain relationships with people because it was like, hey, I, I just just be my friend. And, and, and maybe like ignoring some of those red flags along the way, like, I don't actually want to be friends with this person, but just like, oh, just, you know, be my friend. And then like, maybe it takes you a few years to go, eh, maybe I should have had my, you know, my filter set a little higher there or something. Yeah, I feel like that was a big thing, especially in the Greek system. Um, and just like being in a sorority, and we had a really um, interesting system. I don't know if this, it's like this at other schools, but we had like, um, what was called a tier system. So there were like top fraternities and top sororities. And for me, I was in what was like essentially the nerdy, um, you know, lower tier sorority. And so for, I kind of saw that where like, you see those people in the top houses that are only interacting with certain people because of like their status or whatever, which is, just so high school, I think it just their, on, their on DNA, point. yeah, <laughs> the shape um, of their face, yeah. And unfortunately, I think like I definitely got to a point where it was just like, okay, if I make friends with like these people or I go to this social event, then I'll meet all these people, and and then it kind of turned into you know, I really want more followers, or like you know, um, I think there's just such an aspect on the social life and like how popular are you really in the Greek system that was kind of a hard thing to overcome in while being in what was um, deemed like a not very great sorority. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think back to the point of sort of circles getting smaller as you get out of college and maybe the further you get out of college. I don't know. I think maybe that is part of the reason, you know, you're, you're so the circle that you're around, especially in college. I mean, the circle that you're around is, is so, influenced by things like sort of I don't know popularity and and likes and and social media amplifies that I mean absolutely but I think after you sort of get out and sort of the further you get from college it's just sort of the I don't know the the more life throws at you and and sort of the more you realize that you know the, the 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 friends like the circles that that you need are not necessarily the ones with that just give you likes all the time, but give you real feedback and give you real, real, uh, I, I guess, lifting you up and, and those types of things. So, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it seems like a good theory to go with. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was actually talking with friends last night um, and we were kind of reflecting on how, we used to really openly share about our lives in college as well. And that, I mean, that could be anything from like, you know, sharing a funny photo of you because um, you drink too much and people think it's funny and just like sharing things that genuinely, when I think about it now, if it were the same situation, like I wouldn't openly share it. And I think I'm also just realizing that I'm becoming more and more of like a private person kind of as the circle gets smaller, it's kind of like, 
I don't really want to, you know, share my life very openly with you if you're not going to put in the effort to try and be a good friend to me, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's also just a symptom of getting older, you know, like, I, I don't know. It, it just, um, like I'm, I'm like tired all the time now. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's hard work keeping up with all these people. You know what I yeah. mean? And other people are tired too. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think a lot of it goes into it and I think it is just a natural, like, I don't know, a, a natural thing that, that tends to happen. You, your, your circle gets tighter, which I, I suppose is depressing. You know, there's less and less people, but I've also found that, that those relationships that you like, to your point, identify as being the ones which are worth um, the effort, those relationships all get bigger, you know, especially as people get married and have children. Um, it's just another thing that can kind of bond. Um, you know, like, I, I feel like in our group, we were the, maybe the first ones that had um, kids, but like now all of a sudden there's like little kids popping up, you know what I mean? There's other ones. Mm-hmm. That it, it makes me feel really good to know that I can now kind of share this, this next step, um, with some of my close friends, you know? So, yeah, I I think it's just a thing that just happens, um, as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. Liz, have you felt as you've sort of gone through this process and starting your podcast and, you know, eventually it was, you know, or initially it was about running and you've kind of morphed in, into, to your point and into really connecting with people on, on some really real, really real subjects through all this has it been an experience that, that you feel like has, has given you more fulfillment uh, through this uh, or less fulfillment? Are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's really cool to, cause I think I've always been um, someone that's been pretty open about things that I've gone through. Like um, in college, um, my senior year, I actually spoke at like um, we have, you know, different themes for different days of recruitment. But like, um, one of the most special parts about it is that come like the preference ceremony, it's kind of like um, the last part before you figure out what house you're in, but you go to these different houses and you get to listen to like the story from like a senior girl. And I was actually um, one of the two women that spoke and um, like just two years prior to that, I had openly shared about an eating disorder that I had in high school and got loads of really great feedback. It was like, obviously this stuff is not easy to share, but I think it's the aspect of getting the feedback. And then like, even still to this day, getting questions from like younger girls, um, about like advice on stuff like this. And I think just being open about stuff like, you know, that and like sexual assault and just like very real topics that a lot of people, don't feel like they have the knowledge in or like the voice for, I feel like I've been able to kind of be that voice for them in that sense. So if I, if I hear that correctly, I hear you saying sort of the fulfillment is coming from seeing your impact on others in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just also being able to kind of, um, you know, when these people do reach out, it's cool to see that like, you know, there are, there are actually so many other, you know, people that go through the same stuff that I've gone through. And then like, um, my most recent episode was with, um, this girl that she came on and she wanted to be public about her, um, not, you know, very intimate details about it, but it was kind of her first time being public about the fact that she was sexually assaulted in college. And 
I was blown away that she would even trust me to, you know, have that, you know, on my podcast. But I think it was because that kind of, I've kind of created that space on my podcast where I want people to be able to come and kind of have these tougher conversations because I feel like, you know, a lot of people in the world just like, you know, they think it's very taboo or it's really uncomfortable. But in reality, there are so many people that go through a lot of these really tough situations, but are quite similar to one another. Hmm. Yeah, sometimes I, I think that um, people do, t- I think, choose, um, you know, reasons that you might not think are obvious or or, or not reasons, but like vehicles um, to you know, to, to get rid of some of the stuff that they're, that they're holding on to. So maybe for that person that you mentioned, um, you know, maybe just talking to you, um, through your podcast, maybe that was just for whatever reason, was just comfortable for her to do it. And, and, and maybe there wasn't another vehicle that she had found, you know, I think sometimes that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, I've kind of talked about it in my podcast with different things, like, usually I am pretty good about trying to face things and um, face these challenges head on and actually acknowledge them and work through them. But there have definitely been a lot of times in like my younger years when, you know, the easiest thing for me to do is really ignore it and continue to push the problem down. And I think my favorite analogy is like, you know, you think of like trying to push um, like a ball of some sort underwater and you keep pushing it, but it's going to come back and it's going to hit you in the face mm-hmm. um, and it's going to hurt and it's not going to be fun. And so I think um, I did spend a lot of time really running from a lot of these things. And like, that's kind of where mm-hmm. the mental part of running really came in. Um, and I think like, especially with the eating disorder, at some points it was really unhealthy and running used to actually be something that I really dreaded and that I had a really unhealthy relationship with. So like, I think just being able to turn that into something positive and, um, really being able to actually enjoy it and not, um, dread it and really utilize it as, um, something that I can kind of, you know, de-stress and really enjoy. So is it fair to say then that you think a lot of the, a lot of, I mean, I know we've probably hit on this a couple of times now, but um, like you, you running is sort of um, an escape, I suppose, from, from other things that you've gone through. And it is um, in a sense, it's not this like shitty activity of, oh man, I'm going to run. It's going to be so tiring. Um, But it's, it's actually, yeah, the runner, the runner's high. Right. I mean, Yeah. Yeah. And I think I really experienced it at the beginning of this year, which it was, it was also kind of the same time that I suddenly saw myself really increasing in like mileage, but I was actually, I was running so much and just running a lot more because, um, mentally I wasn't wanting to face, um, like, you know, this heartbreak with this guy that I was seeing, um, who had ghosted me and I was just so like furious, um, furious about it. And so I just kept running and I would just, you know, I'd spend more and more hours on the weekend running and really devoting time into really getting into like training um, regimens and just actually like being able to run faster and work on my speed training. And um, I think that running is almost like, you know, when they talk about like when you're going through, you know, hard things like loss, um, like people always tell you to keep busy. And I feel like running is kind of like my thing where I kind of if I'm having a bad day, I'm probably going to walk out the door and go on a run (laughs) and I'll probably hopefully feel a little bit better coming back. That's really interesting. So I think that 
a, a good sort of analogy or takeaway that that I can that I pull from that um, and can probably find some ways to relate it to you know different things in my life. Is I, I hear you saying you've sort of refocused. In a sense, you've refocused sort of the things that you're addicted to, right? So I, I hear you sort of saying that. Well, I'm I'm in a sense sort of addicted to this feeling of, of, of well-being and, and being healthy and, and being healthy in a good way and, um, and, and focusing that through running rather than, you know, focusing, I mean, we can, we can be, I feel like we all have an, an addiction to some level to something, right? Whether it be attention uh, from, you know, from other people, from someone, or, you know, whether it be something else. And so I, I hear, I feel like that's sort of the theme is you know refocusing sort of the addictions that that don't need to be there and refocusing on something that can really pull and pour into your life through things like running if it's not that something else yeah yeah definitely I think I've I think just being able to try and focus on different ways that you can um work like healthier habits into your life and um there was a point where I was really trying to get into like even like journaling more. And I haven't journaled since high school, I think. And um, just things in different outlets that are um, healthier than like, you know, going out for drinks or like, you know, just using it to kind of numb the pain or numb whatever you're going through and actually trying to work through it and trying to face it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, Do you, do you, um, would you consider when you run that you're in kind of like the flow state? Would you, would, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, whenever I think about like runners high now, especially after this marathon, um, like there was a point during the marathon from like miles 17 to 19, I think where it was like the ultimate runner's high that I had never felt before. And it wasn't because I had taken like a lot of pre-workout or something or like you know, caffeinated myself super highly, you know, at that point, like you're dying at like, you know, mile 11, I was like, I want to throw the towel in even at like mile four, but you hit a point and it's kind of just like, wow, I could just go on forever. And I feel on top of the world. And, um, it was definitely a feeling like no other. And I think it's, it's, it's something that I w- would like want everyone to experience because it's almost like a drug or something where <laughs> it's just like you hit this like euphoria of just like you feel amazing and you just want to keep going and you know and you're just really happy and you feel you know really good and and at what point did you did you hit that in the in the marathon I think it was um definitely at like miles 17 and 18 and just like it was, it kind of just like came out of nowhere and I was really not feeling great. And I, I was like, you know, I have like 10 more miles to go and I don't know if I can do it. Um, like so much, there was in the end, there was about a, um, 2,500 feet, um, elevation gain during the marathon. And this was just all along trails in the mountains. Um, and so, there was definitely so many points where it's just like, and there would be points where there'd be no one around me because you're on these like really narrow trails and everyone's going at their own pace. And I think about like half of the people that actually started didn't actually get to finish because they either hurt themselves or like got injured or just gave up. Like I tripped at one point and it was like during the euphoria, I think, because I was feeling so good and just like 
going so fast all of a sudden. Like, I don't know where the energy came from. It's kind of, it kind of just feels like your coffee just kicked in or something. And you're suddenly just feeling like you could keep going. But you, I mean, you're also like sort of numb at the same time, right? I mean, you, you, you sort of don't know that it's happening until you wake up and you're like, you know, like I always, I always, um, um, talk about like when you're driving your car and you just sort of zone out and all of a sudden there's been 30 minutes. You're like, did I turn the right way? Like what is going on here? Um, it's, it's like that, right? Definitely. Yeah. I think that's why I ended up like, I did a pretty nasty fall at, um, I think it was mile 18 and we were like going downhill. And so I tripped over a rock and I kind of rolled for a bit, but then I got back up and I was like, you know, nothing hurts. And I, I do feel kind of numb where I'm just like, Oh, I'm okay. I'll keep going. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's really weird because it's like, you know, I probably was a little bit hurt, but it just kind of felt like I had to like, go, go, go. So you were able to access it again, like immediately it didn't take you another 17 miles to, to get back there. Like you were just got right back into it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Huh. So basically, uh, ultra marathons are the next step, I guess. Then, right? <laughs> yeah. I've heard about those and, um, those seem, those seem particularly scary, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll definitely, I definitely want to do more marathons. I just think I'll probably look into them a bit more and probably choose one that's on the road and not up in the mountains. <laughs> but you could do one in London, maybe. Uh, when you're out there, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually had a friend that just got there like a few weeks ago for her master's and she was already talking about, you know, let's do it. 2021 London marathon. And I was like, you know, after I did this trail marathon, I think I could do any other marathon at this point. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, how are we uh, looking on uh, time, uh, Brent? Um, yeah, well, I mean, so there, there's no, obviously I just automatically get shut off, but we do typically try, try to keep it somewhere around an hour. Um, but yeah, I, I've enjoyed this Liz. It's been, it's been nice and appreciate you coming on. Um, what are, what are the ways people can connect to your, your, your podcast and, and kind of whatever you've got going kind of yeah. take a second to plug that again and, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you um, both for having me so much. I think this has been so fun and um, just a great opportunity to just really um, connect and talk on a lot of things. Um, I am, so you can find the Resiliency and Running podcast on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. I think like it's on Amazon. It's on like all sorts of different, um, most sites, I think you can find it. Um if not, then the podcast Instagram is resiliency and running. And there's actually a link in that bio where I've just kind of listed all the different um, platforms where it's available to listen to. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Well, thank you, uh, Liz, sincerely. It was really cool having you on and, um, and I'm a fan. I'm going to listen to your podcast and, uh, and I hope that other people do as well. It was great having you. Awesome. Thank you. Look look forward to seeing what you do in the future. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. We'll see you, Liz. Bye. Take care. Thanks for tuning in this week. We would love for you to be part of our next discussion. Join our live events happening every week at BeFunBeKind.com. See you soon.